Welcome to Sausage on a Fork, a podcast dedicated to the UK's longest-running children's drama programme, Strange Hill. My name's Neil, and in each episode, I'll interview a former cast member about their life before, during, and after their time on the programme. So, welcome to episode three of Sausage on a Fork. I'm very pleased to announce that this week we have Fiona Lee Fraser, who played Laura Regan. Fiona, welcome to Sausage on a Fork. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Neil. Yeah, thank you. You're very, very welcome. Okay, then, Fiona, we'll, we'll jump right in. A, a quick talk to start with it. How did acting start for you? How did, how did you get into all that? Well, I think for a lot of girls, it's a similar story. I started with dancing. So um, was sort of dancing locally. And then um, there were these big auditions for Bugsy Malone. And I know you spoke to Lee Spark briefly right. about Bugsy yeah. Malone because did it at the same time we were actually in the same cast um but we didn't really know each other because he was I was like a, a kid from Oxfordshire so I stayed up there with a lot of the Bugsy Malone cast uh-huh. um in a hotel and Lee was a London kid so he was sort of going back and forth each day but um yeah so did that with um the great Mickey Delenz as the director and oh that was such a blast and at that time I was at a convent school in Berkshire Um, and then of course doing Bugsy Malone I met loads of kids from stage schools Uh and I just when we finished and it was the big low of the show finishing I just begged my parents to go to a stage school so um, ended up going to Sylvia Young. Yeah brilliant right excellent excellent and what sort of from Sylvia Young what did you have get much work Yeah, well, it was really bizarre, actually, because from arriving, um, I was only there a few weeks. I mean, it was such a a, a bizarre but great situation because you would go to school um, two and a half days of the week would be dancing and singing. And then two and a half days a week would be academics. But you could be sitting in academics and somebody would just pop their head in and say, oh, Fiona, you've got an audition. Be at the office in 10 minutes. And then you'd be off to Soho and out for the rest of the afternoon. So it was just like one day, somebody popped the head in, said, Fiona, you've got an audition this afternoon, go to the office. And then, you know, we would never know where we were going. Off we went to the BBC uh-huh. and it was the first audition for Grange Hill. Right. And I'd only been at Sylvia Young for sort of three weeks at that point. And, um, you know, you get so many auditions, you just learn to go on them, enjoy the fact you're out of school uh, and you don't really think too much about whether you're going to get them. And um, so the audition process for Grange Hill uh-huh. um, is that you probably get recalled about four or five times and read for the part and, and read with other people, read with Phil Redmond. Um so yeah, after four or five auditions, I got just got Sylvia said, "Oh, can you come into the office?" And she said, "Oh, you've been offered the part of Laura Regan in Grange Hill. Would you like to accept it?" I was like, "What do you mean? Would I like to accept it?" Yes. Oh my goodness. So I hadn't been there long, and then that was it. We started, and for each series, you have an eight-month shoot time, yeah. and it was just yeah, absolutely phenomenal. But I think. Um, one of the reasons I got it, and um, and Sarah, who played Julia, my my friend, uh-huh. um, in Grange Hill, we were we were. So I was the daughter of the games mistress, Mrs. Regan, and she was the daughter of one of the governors. And I think they were looking for um, a couple of girls with a little bit more home counties accents. Right. Um, and 
the I was I came from a little village called Stoke Row in Oxfordshire and um, Sarah was from Ricelip Manor so we were sort of amongst the kids from Islington and you know who had much yeah. stronger London accents we were you know we were more home county so I think that's that kind of played in our favour yeah and getting the parts. Brilliant what was it like joining Grange Hill because I spoke to Ricky the other week and, and you, you joined at the same time as, as Ricky yeah. um, and you didn't sort of join from uh, you know, a first year. You joined, you were slap bang in the middle and you were already supposed to be sort of established pupils in the school. What, what was it like when you joined, joining that cast? Yeah, well, it was, um, yeah, I think so. We came in at what was the equivalent of year nine that the kids yeah. say these days. Um, yeah, and I don't know, none of us really knew why they stuck that year in because... Um, we were the year below sort of Zamo's year and um, and they had some huge characters in that year, but they sort of threw us lot in. And um, well, I mean, it was, I had a slightly different experience to Ricky because coming from Sylvia Young, I was already coming, knowing other people in, the, you know, sort of from school and a lot of the kids that did extra work were also from Sylvia Young. So um I know Ricky had an experience where he was kind of, he was a little bit older than us. He wasn't traveling on the, the bus, the coach. Yeah. Um, so he had a little bit of time before he made friends. But so it was easier from that point of view for me because I was coming in with Sarah as well. Um, but my goodness, I mean, I, you know, I was seven when Grange Hill started and I, my mum and dad weren't the parents that said I couldn't watch it. So I right. was watching it so for me, you know, I was a massive fan of the show and just to come in and see, you know, Lee McDonald and Erkin and Alison Battles, at least, you know, just to, and all the other guys was mind blowing. Um, but you get used to it quite quickly, I suppose. And, you know, we're all in a when you're not filming, you're either doing your studies or you're at, we were in a big green room together, which had a snooker table, pool table, you know, sort of chill out sofas, playing music. And we all mixed as a group, you know, hugely together. So it didn't take long before we kind of got over that. But, it, you know, it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. So. Who are your sort of? I mean, you've mentioned um, Sarah already, but who who are your closest to? Who are your, who are your best friends? Yeah, I mean, I think um, you tend to be most friendly with the the kids that you do the scenes with, I suppose. <laughs> but um, you know, as I say, we did all mix together, and so Sarah and I and Ricky and Simon, who then came in playing Freddie yeah. um, later on, we were very close. So Ricky. That couple of years older, he was the first one to have a car, the first one to get a flat. Um, and Sarah and I lived quite way out of London. So once we were over 16, um, Ricky had bought his flat, which wasn't that far from the studios. So we would stay over there a lot. So we were really tight, the four of us. But um, yeah, I mean, we used to sort of, once we were over 16, we would do our kind of week of filming and then on a Friday night a lot of us would go out you know into (laughs) the West End and we would go like Friday nights was always Stringfellows night and then Saturday night we might go to the Hippodrome or whatever um but um yeah so we went to Stringfellows for for a long time but um until we kind of we had (laughs) had this situation where we'd all been you know we'd we'd gone there we'd all been given VIP passes like and one night there were probably about 10 of us in there you kind of walked into Stringfellows I don't know if you've ever been there it's very sort of 
dark little club. And on the left-hand side was a sort of seating area. And we were there, normal Friday night, having some drinks, a little bit of, you know, some food. And um, Peter Stringfellow himself walked in and he just looked at us. I mean, at the time, we were probably 16, 17 in a club. And he looked at us and, and said, um, excuse my language, he said, um, who the f*** are all those kids? And um, somebody said, oh, no, no, it's fine. They're the cast of Grange Hill. And he said, I don't give a f*** who they are. <laughs> so that was it. That was our Stringfellows memberships gone. We all had oh, sort of hand no. back in and, and disappear. But so, you know, we went out as a group a lot. And um, and we were all, you know, really friendly with each other. Um, I had a real soft spot for like George Wilson, John Drummond, um, you know, the, John Alford, oh, the, the naughty boys were so yeah. <laughs> endearing. Um, but yeah, we did, we did all mix together a lot, you know, so we were all, you know, really close, which was lovely. You know, I don't remember in the entire time I was there, um, any arguments, any kind wow. of, you know, nothing like that. Everyone got on really well. Um, and it was just, yeah, an absolutely fabulous experience, really. Excellent, excellent. Was there anyone where you, you thought, like, you really enjoyed working with? Was, you know, if you thought, oh, I've got a scene with them today or, or anything like that? Um, well, um, I think it only perhaps happened once I had a, a scene with Fleur, who played Imelda. Right. But, <laughs> you know, I hope you get Fleur on at some point because she is just so far from Imelda. Yeah. Um, you know, she is lovely, lovely, lovely girl. And um, but she was, you know, she was a really good laugh. And, you know, what a great role to have because you yeah. could really get your feet stuck into that. Um, and um, yeah, so if I ever got to do a scene with somebody a little bit different, you know, that was always that was always nice. Um, and of course, when you're doing scenes with people that you do scenes with a lot and that you have a relationship with out of the show, uh, you're more inclined to get a little bit giggly. Yeah. And um, yeah. that did used to happen a lot, you know, especially there's a time of day, like four o'clock in the afternoon when the hysteria just kicks in, you know, it only takes one tiny little fluff of the lines and, and you're going to be in stitches. And then every time you try, you know, it's like those programs, every time you redo the scene, you get to that point and you lose it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that that's the fun of doing scenes with people that you know really well. But, you know, the director would be going absolutely spare because we had to get these scenes you know, filmed and the last thing they wanted was us mucking around. But I think, you know, on the whole, for a bunch of kids, we did kind of learn our lines and crack through it, which, you know, looking back on it is quite amazing, really. I mean, I, I guess a lot of us might be learning the lines on the coach up there on the day, but, right. um, you know, we all took it pretty seriously. And um, yeah, so uh, I, I'm trying to think, I mean, also Michael Sheard, who played Mr. Bronson, um, I had one of my first scenes with him and um, I had no idea, you know, who he was at the time. Uh -huh. He'd worked, you know, he'd worked with Laurence Olivier. He was, you know, he was a big time actor. Yeah. Um, but they would always be good scenes because what a great character. Um, yeah. yeah. But we didn't see, we had a separate green room to the, um, to the adult cast. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we didn't, we only sort of saw them in rehearsals and, and um, 
and filming but they were I mean they again they were lovely because we must have been so annoying like <laughs> Ricky Ricky was one of the few of us that actually took his craft seriously right. you know the rest of us were a little bit there on a jolly and it must have driven the adult actors absolutely mad working with us sometimes but they were again they were so lovely they were really really yeah, good so about the, it all and, so, yeah there was a good relationship then between uh, the kids and the adults then was there yeah, I'd say there was. Again, I can't remember any um, problems. They were really charitable towards us a lot. Uh-huh. And um, I think it probably helped they didn't need to mix with us too much. But, you know, the ones of us that we were over age and could have gone in with the adults, we still stayed in the kids. Yeah. You know, I, I'm sure Ricky was in our green room quite a lot. Um, yeah, so no, it was it was all happy days, all very good. Brilliant, because Laura did have um, quite a lot of scenes. Obviously, you've mentioned the fact that Laura's mother was a teacher at the school, so you would have had quite a few scenes with, with Lucinda. Kearns, Lucinda, yeah. Yeah, she was lovely, really, really sweet. And um, yeah, normally, so obviously we both had our kind of storylines with our boyfriend problems because uh-huh. I was a, a child, <coughs> Laura was a child from a, a separated marriage and um and all was fine until mrs regan had the boyfriend yeah. <laughs> um, and i was really pleased about that because it gave me i mean when i look back on the the episodes that i had as laura i did have a bit of a gob on for most of it you know right. i was never happy. i was always upset about something you know even if it was like the student council or the radio station or something <laughs> And when Mrs. Regan had the boyfriend, it gave me something to get really stuck into. And I think at the same time, Laura was seeing um, Banksy. And, um, and of course, he rode a motorbike. And I remember there was one scene I had to pull up at this, on the back of this motorbike and then off again. And I was petrified. I'd never been on a bike before. We were only traveling about five miles an hour. But, um, yeah, so she was, again, she was lovely. And we had... Um, a 40th anniversary uh, reunion fairly recently and um, yeah and she was there um, and yeah I mean she's still absolutely lovely and wonderful and um, yeah I mean I hadn't realized because it the the show kind of went on for about over 30 years I think you may know more than me and um, I just thought before we were chatting I would have a quick look on IMDB and just make sure I remembered everyone's surnames (laughs) and stuff like that and, it, you know, when you go onto IMDb for Grain Shield, there are 1,800 cast members, over wow. 1,800 yeah. cast members over that time. So there are so many people that have been through the show. And, um, you know, you, you just kind of remember your own little era, which uh-huh. for me, when I was watching, it was Tucker kind of through to Zamo. And then, of course, yeah. then I was in it. That, But, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And do you have any um, sort of favourite storylines or, or episodes from your time on the show? Oh, I think, yeah, the canal boat episodes, because we all um, we all went up to film those in Warwickshire for two weeks. So I think we stayed in um, Warwick University's um, student accommodation. Right. Um, and um, so we had such a laugh during that time. And we led the chaperones a right merry dance, as <laughs> I remember. Um, so they were really, really fun um, episodes to film. And I can't even remember what the storyline was. I re- actually, I remember a lot of Ricky and Jones popping up. Sort of yeah. <laughs> I think he'd already left at that point and he was trying to secretly see Georgina. Yeah. Um, so there were, we had quite a few scenes there and um, Ricky kind of joining us and um, 
Yeah. So, I mean, they stand out as really fun episodes. And then also um, the the scenes that Sarah and I did when we were supposed to be off at these secretly off at these all night parties. Um, And we also had um, um, Alison McLaughlin, who played Louise Webb um, in there. And um, she was absolutely lovely as well. And we had quite a few scenes with her and storylines when her she she also had an older sister Cheryl Webb yeah. and um, played by Emma Asante yeah. who's now gone on to be a BAFTA award-winning screenwriter and director yeah. um so you know we had some really nice scenes with them as well and we would be most of the time we were filming either um in Elstree Studios or there was um so a lot of the exterior of the Grange Hill School is done in the exterior of Elstree Studios, but there was also another school we went to. And then occasionally we would actually get to go and do a night shoot or whatever, which tended to be around Boreham Woods, the kind of local area. So we had a few um, storylines with them around the time that their father died in it. And they were really um, just interesting, another interesting storyline to to be a part of. Um, So that was really lovely. Yeah, really great. Because you, you just mentioned there about going to the all-night parties and that's actually in arguably Grange Hill's most famous episode when Zamo gets discovered because there was three storylines going on around that time. Um, and I just think for you, you must think, you know, it's it's really good that although you're not necessarily involved in the in the Just Say No story, you, you had another story going on in the same in the same episode at the same time yeah they aired that episode recently actually and I didn't I knew the episode was coming on and um it was that iconic Uh episode but I didn't even remember that Sarah my storyline was within that same episode because you know everything you're filming you're filming out of sync with Uh with everything and you kind of you don't really remember what goes into one particular episode so that that was quite surprising when um when I saw that coming up, but you mentioned the um, the just say no. I mean, that is one of the biggest regrets of my life was that um, we did. So the just say no thing was happening, and um, we all recorded this ridiculous album, which is hilarious. I wish I still had a copy of it. Um, I may go on eBay and see if we can find one. Um, but so we did all of that, and I I did sing on on the Just Say No um, track. And then when it came to filming the video, it clashed with um, the convent school that I used to go to. We're going on their yearly skiing trip, and they said I could still go even though right. I wasn't at school anymore. And I loved skiing trip, so I said, "Oh, I'll go on the skiing trip." And my mum was like, "Are you sure you don't want to go and do the Just Say No video?" And I said, "Oh no, I don't want to miss the skiing trip." Oh my goodness. And then when they did the video and then they got invited to the White House, I was so gutted. Because <laughs> I actually had a really bad time on that skiing trip. Oh, right. The top of the black run, lost my nerve and didn't want to ski down. And the, the ski instructor did that thing where they just kind of put you on their back and go vertically down the slope. <laughs> right. And I never got on a pair of skis again until about 10 years ago. Wow. But I... um, yeah, so I did, I missed out on that. That's why Laura isn't in the Just Say No. Yeah, because uh, I... Um, on the slopes of Austria. I was I was going to ask you about that because uh, I, I noticed it the other day that there is a distinct lack of Laura Regan in the of Just Laura. Say No video. Yeah, that's uh, well, that's you've expl- why. That's why. Yeah. You've, answered, you've answered that one there. Um, what was the public reaction to to Laura like when you when you were yeah, out the boat? Was it all okay? I mean, it's it's weird. It's um, I think probably all of us will remember the first time someone 
clocked us. So, right. you know, you go from, as I say, I was living out in Oxfordshire and, um, so I used to get the train back to Reading Station every uh-huh. day. So, you know, my normal train ride a couple of weeks after, I suppose, or maybe, yeah, a couple of weeks after it, the first episode had aired. So a few episodes had aired. And I can just remember sitting on the train and some school kids just sort of looking and then giggling and looking back again. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm getting recognised. This is amazing. Um, and then after that, you know, it becomes adults don't recognize you generally but you get recognized by your peer group which um is a bit of a double-edged sword actually sometimes because um you know kids don't have the filter that adults do and when kids are in groups you know they're more leery so you could actually get a little bit of bother um, and if you were on your own and there were a group of kids you know they'd be doing the whole din it you know <laughs> And then, you know, they'd start calling stuff across and it was quite difficult to deal with sometimes. And I can remember a particular incident when I was out shopping in Reading with my mum and um, this couple of guys sort of a little bit older than me um, started sort of shouting across the street. My mum was getting really stressed and they were going, you know, oi, they said, oi, ugly, where's your mate? You know, meaning Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) she was and is a very beautiful girl and uh, and at that point my mum was getting really stressed and I thought right let's just head into John Lewis they won't follow us into there into the sort of fabric section but up they came so uh, in the end I thought I'm just going to have to go up and confront them because it was really upsetting my mum and I actually just went up to them and said you know hello have you got a problem and then they were really nice and then they sort of walked off and and left us alone but you you would get stuff like that occasionally and as I say because we were all friends you know we'd go out in small groups as well which would mean that we were more likely to get recognized I suppose um so most of the time it was nice some of the time it could be a little bit tricky going into McDonald's on your own was off the table right it was just of the demographic that would have watched Grange yeah. Hill so um, and I don't think even drive-throughs existed then right. um, certainly no deliveries or anything like oh. that so the McDonald's was a, yeah a little bit hard for a while uh, so so you did um, three series on the, on the programme 54 episodes Ricky said that when it, his first series was, he was just intended to be in for one series um, and he was invited back was your, I imagine yours was slightly different, was it? Were you go, go, going to be Yeah, I mean, it was something that we didn't... I didn't even think about how long we were going to be in it. And I thought, well, you know, odds are that we will carry on all the way through yeah. sixth form. Um, and, of course, because you're at a stage school, you know, I was at Sylvia Young, Sarah was at Sylvia Young, a lot of us, Joanne Kenny, we were all... Uh, bless her we were all there so alongside Grange Hill we'd all be doing a lot of other stuff you know we had our school productions you might be doing a tv commercial whatever um so I I mean I didn't really think about how long we would stay in it and we were quite a small year so by the time you know we got to the point where we left I think it was only me and Sarah and Alison and Simon left in our year Um, and they said to us if you want our your year to continue, you all have to stay right. to go through. Um, and I think Simon had already decided that perhaps he would like to go and do other stuff. Um, 
and I wanted it to do other stuff as well but I mean naively you think oh yes I'm just going to walk into other right, yeah. anybody. <laughs> um and so we kind of decided Simon and I that we were going to go um so yeah so unfortunately um and actually no Sarah had gone at that point there was just me Simon and, and Alison at that point so yeah. Alison didn't say either but um yeah I mean so that otherwise those characters probably would have carried on through they did give us the option uh-huh. but we you know when they sort of laid it and said well you've all got to go we'll stay um we did sort of start thinking well maybe we'd like to do something else um so yeah that's why that year group ended up going yeah because there was no sort of real finale either for them was that it was um what was it it was the fun day fresh and fly and then that was it wasn't it <laughs> I know, that's it. yeah and that, that was the reasoning because they just wrote it as if we were going to carry on and then we we decided that we would all kind of give up our our contracts rightly or wrongly right. um but yeah I mean luckily um you know we we went on to do other things so it it all worked out okay how did you feel about about when you left how did you feel about leaving without getting a sort of a proper send-off from the program oh gosh didn't didn't bother us at all because no. you you're so ingrained in your life and you know Grange Hill for for me not because I I wasn't really taking acting that seriously I'd always thought I was going to be a dancer and then you know because the Grange Hill audition came up while I was at Sylvie Young I ended up just doing acting because I kind of fell into it and because I had stopped dancing regularly I didn't end up going down that pathway but you know, for me personally, and I think for a lot of us, the the friendships and the personal relationship were more important than being in the show. So, you know, at the time, um, Simon Vaughan, who played Freddie and I were actually, we were together as a couple outside the show for about four years. Right. So, we, you know, our kind of, it wasn't like I was going to leave the show and I wasn't going to see anyone anymore because, yeah. you know, I left. Simon and I were together for a long time after that and Simon was living with Ricky and Sarah was around and so we just carried on as our friendship group Uh um, which was the only important thing to me at the time was you know staying friends with the people that I was friendly with Um, and you know we kept in touch with everyone so yeah and we so it was just we replaced our grain chill day job with you know me doing move it and I still was seeing everyone so it did that didn't yeah it didn't even factor at all as to to us not having any kind of storyline yeah. send off i suppose yeah brilliant brilliant yeah so so three series after you've after you've been on on the program you, you leave grange hill what what you go and do then well so i was i was lucky i got asked to um <clears throat> present a program called move it so um blue peter always has a big summer break and they put a program in and um, for a few years, they put this program in called Move It. And um, it was a, a show where um, it was it was designed to encourage kids into sports. Uh-huh. So every weekend, Simon O'Brien was the other presenter that right. used to be on the right side. Yeah. Um, and um, we would And he, he ended up in Grange Hill, funnily enough, later oh, on in his he? career. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, he was a really good laugh, lovely guy. Um, so every weekend we would go off to another destination on a BBC budget, which was always horrendous, some dodgy B&B, um, and film 
um, you know, some kind of kids activity, it could be ice skating or whatever, um, white water rafting in Balor in North Wales. Um, in fact, there was one, um, one episode that we did um, up in uh, Lytham St Anne's and it was to be filmed on the beach and it, it was um, little remote control cars. Right. So it was the first episode that uh, Sid Waddell had directed. You know, the guy that used to do 180. Yeah. It was his directorial debut. And um, so they decided they were going to build this amazing track on the beach in Lytham St Anne's. And um, so we went the, the day before we did the recce and they started building this phenomenal track. And then we all went to have dinner. We went, you know, slept, woke up in the morning. The tide had come in. And gone. Oh, so the whole no. thing, it had taken them about five hours to build this. It had all gone. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to start all over again. And uh, yeah, so there was a lot of hanging around that day. But that that was quite a fun show to do. And I did that for two or three years. Right. Um, and then, you know, theatre, um, you know, some really uh, eye-opening theatre. I did a production of Mandragola, a Machiavelli play um, in the Southwark Playhouse, which is a very small venue. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, that was that was an eye opener because we were it, it was a great play and it had some really nice sort of medieval music in it. But it wasn't everyone's cup of tea. And I can remember one night they, they came around to us and said, um, there are actually only four people in the audience tonight wow. who want to do the show. And the equity ruling is that if there are less people in the audience than in the cast, you don't have to go on. So we all had to sort of take a vote whether we would go on oh, and do wow. the show. <laughs> people which we did um but uh yeah that was kind of actually the uh the end of my theater career because I am a bit of a giggler and um I there was another girl in the cast Caroline um who um we just got on really well you know when you meet someone and you've got the yeah. same sense of humor and you just click and we very quickly realized amidst this very serious production that we would just set each other off for the giggles and um we had all these medieval harmonies in this in this play and one night we were sort of just about to go on and, and she was backstage and she played the C on the piano um, and we all sort of went for our harmony and her voice sort of cracked a little bit so I knew that I was going to get hysteria so I thought I'm just not going to sing the first bit and she had had exactly the same thoughts and we went on and neither of us sang because we knew we were going to get hysteria. So we walked on and then we looked at each other on the stage, absolutely burst out laughing. They had to go to blackout. I mean, it oh, was no how unprofessional. <laughs> um, so funnily enough, I didn't do a lot of theatre after that. I had to go to, yeah, I did TV commercials, um, yeah, which was brilliant. Got to go to Spain a lot and Germany. And um, yeah, but Magnum was one of my... Um, Right. <laughs> one of my yeah, one of my TV commercials that I did. So yeah, so that's what I ended up doing, and then I stayed in um, commercials for a long time. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's a really nice side of the industry because you can work two or three days a month. <laughs> right. <the> same <laughs> I kind of yeah, I was pretty much doing that. I think until I um had children. Although I did have a little gap, I sort of I was really curious to see the other side of production. So I went to work for Ogilvy and Mather, which is was a big advertising agency. They just called Ogilvy's now. Um, so I worked in the television department there. So saw commercials right the way through from, you know, when you would get the client brief um, all the way through to them going on air um, and worked in casting for a little bit as well. And then started my own 
acting agency for children. Um, so that was pretty much what I was doing as well as the commercials up until the point of having children. Oh, wow, right. And, and then was it a sort of um, a conscious decision to move away then from the acting or uh, completely? Um, yeah, I suppose after I'd done all the production side, um, I still carried on doing the commercials. And then I, when I started the agency, you know, that from that point, I had to be um, on the phone available for casting directors from nine in the morning till six at night. So the acting kind of just naturally went by the wayside. And then I, um, I that, that sort of coincided with having my first child. And um, at that time, I had a, a girl on my books called Hattie Jones, and she um, got the lead part in the film Madeline for Columbia nice. TriStar. So that was quite a busy time looking after Hattie. Um, and she actually got down to the last two for Hermione and Harry Potter. Wow. So both of our lives could have been very different if she got <laughs> it more so hurt. Um, but yeah, so then, and then once, you know, you know, it's like once you have children, um, your whole life shifts anyway. Yeah. And um, it's really acting isn't a very easy job to work in with bringing up children. So I, when I had my second child, um, decided to retrain as a photographer as well, which I love doing and yeah, still do now. And um, it's just a much easier job to kind of work in and out. I kind of, I went back to acting for a little while and did a Silip Bang commercial. Right. Um, but the audition process, you know, it's one thing when you're 18, 19, 20 auditioning for directors who are sort of 25, but then when you go back to it in your 40s, and, you know, it's just, I found it a little bit, um, it's a little bit more humiliating right. to sort of go through the audition process. And I thought, no, I've, I've been there, done that. I'm going to stick with photography. So you've mentioned sort of Sarah and, and a couple of others. Are you still in touch with those people? No, you're still in yeah, touch with people so, from the show. Um, I was round at Sarah's um, a few weeks ago with Ricky. Right. Um, yeah, and um, Simon Vaughan had a big birthday um fairly recently so um we got together there um and i saw you know a, a decent amount of people at the 40th reunion yeah. and of course with facebook and you know stuff like that it does yeah. kind of keep you all connected which is lovely um i might hear from Erkan occasionally right. yeah, yeah so yeah and you know i'm sure if they have they'll probably have a 50th anniversary and we'll all, yeah. we'll all be there <laughs> going every 10 years and to the point where we're wheeled in yeah um yeah so yeah so from that point of view it's really nice to kind of see what other people are doing and um yeah George Wilson again is another he's a lovely lovely guy and um so I follow him quite heavily on Facebook and sort of keep in touch with him as well yeah which is lovely yeah just a, a few more questions then just just before we we, we we bring this to a close other than Laura Regan who is your favourite character on Grange Hill? Who's my favourite character? Mm. Um, well, I mean, Mr. Bronson was a great character. Yeah. Really, really great. But somebody I had a real um, real soft spot for was, um, I don't know if you remember, there was a character played by uh, George A. Cooper, another great actor yeah. who ended up on Grange Hill, who played like the <laughs> Janice 
role. Um, And he had some great, great stuff in there and was such a likable character. Um, So I would say, yeah, George's character, I had a real soft spot for him. And I, I don't think I ever had a scene with him, but he was one... He was one of the adult actors that really made time for us and, yeah. you know, chatted to us. And because and he had a lot of scenes with the kids um, yeah. as opposed to the adults. And he was a lovely, lovely guy. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say his character was um, a favourite of mine. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mr Griffiths, yeah. Um, Mr Griffiths. <laughs> which other character would you have liked to have played if you hadn't played Laura Reed? Oh, Definitely an elder. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, everyone wants to play a baddie. Yeah. Um, and, uh, oh, gosh, yeah, I'd love to have played that part. Yeah. And But not. I would never have played it as well as Fleur did. She was absolutely fantastic. She, she was and brilliant. And she, like... she had the hair at the yeah. time, that kind of, like, <laughs> hunky sort of hair. Um, yeah. So, um, oh, God, yeah, that would be definitely the, the part I'd like to have played. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. And then the, the final question, uh, Fiona, is why do you think after all this time there's still such a big affection for, for Grange Hill? Why do you think people like me are still talking about it? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, I think it's partially because we, we had three channels at that time, didn't we? So, um, you know, it was, I don't know about you, I used to, to come in from school on a day that I wasn't working, you would stick on BBC One generally, wouldn't you? And, and it would be, you know, you'd have Grange Hill, you'd have News Round, Blue Peter, whatever. We all watched the same thing yeah. um, then. And Grange Hill was groundbreaking. I mean, when you think of the storylines they covered, um, you know, for Phil Redmond to think, right, I'm going to do a drug storyline. And not think, well, I'm going to do marijuana. I'm yeah. going to do heroin. You know, I mean, that that was the type of show it was. And that yeah. was the reason a lot, a lot of kids, a lot of my friends weren't allowed to watch the show. So, yeah. you know, what amazing storylines for us as kids to grow up. You know, you either identified with it because you were in a comprehensive school where all that kind of stuff was going on. Or like me, coming from a, a convent school with all girls and then a stage school where that stuff generally wasn't going on, you would just look at it and think, wow, oh my God, yeah. how amazing to go to a school like that. Um, and it was, you know, we all we all watched, it wasn't a case of there was Netflix or other stuff to watch, we all watched it. We all were drawn in by very, very well-written characters and storylines. Um, and, you know, and because the show went on for so long, you know, we all watched it for a good sort of, I suppose, five to seven year period of our, our school uh-huh. life. So you got and generally people didn't leave. So those characters, you saw them growing up whilst you were growing up. And, um, you know, you do, you know, it's like that with TV characters. You feel like you know them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it, it was a, a fantastically groundbreaking series. I think they are that now they're too scared to do generally the kind yeah. of stuff that, Phil Redmond pulled out the bag. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I think some episodes had about 15 million people watching them, which yeah. is absolutely mind blowing. Yeah. So, Definitely. I mean, I have, I hold it in the same affection as you do because for my years that I was watching it from Tucker through, it was, you know, absolutely loved it. Yeah. yeah. So right. it was an amazing thing to be a part of. Definitely. I can only imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I could only imagine. Well, listen, uh, Fiona, 
thank you so much for uh, ag- agreeing pleasure. to come on. Yeah, yeah no, pleasure. I, lo- I love what you're doing. I love the other two episodes and I look forward to hearing whoever you get on afterwards. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for those of you that are listening. I'll speak to you next time.